All right. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Thank you, Casey. That was a great response. Ready to go for it. Wow. So there's some things going on, huh? Some good, some bad, some ugly. It's life, huh? It's life. And Dan is totally right. Pastor Dan is totally right. Man, you know, when we come to Jesus, we think, oh, rainbows in what, Disneyland? Rainbows in Disneyland, but it does. Cotton candy. It doesn't work out like that. I've never actually experienced it. Um, or at least it doesn't stay like that for long. Because how many of you know the devil wants to come and he wants to steal your joy? He wants to steal the peace that God has in your heart. Man, he wants to rob you of whatever he can. Because why? Because you've given your life to, 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 to Christ, the one who died for your sins. And so what he does is he comes and he tries to play tricks on us, on our minds, in our lives, tries to break up relationships. That's his M.O. That's what he does. Um, but the one thing that we have going for us, not just the one thing, but one of the things that we have going for us, how many know, is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The devil, I'm here to tell you today, the devil has no option. He has nothing for the power of the Holy Spirit. He has nothing. And, and, and for some of you who, who uh, maybe recently have given your life to Christ, the next step for you is to get baptized in water. And then the step after that is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you're saying, what is that? What is that? <laughs> you're like, you're talking another language, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. Let me tell you something. There's something greater. There's a power out there that's greater. And it's, and, and, and it's the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And that same power is available to us 2,000 years later. And it's essential. And we have to have it to live this life. Because just like we heard today, there's, there's problems, there's things that happen, there's attacks that come. And our combat to that is Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. I'm jacked up. We just got back from camp not too long ago. Woo woo! Um, man, we had a great time. I, uh, we sent junior high to camp, and then we sent senior high to camp. We had some awesome leaders go with the junior high. I was not involved in that team. Uh, whoo! I went to senior high, and we had some awesome leaders come to senior high as well. But uh, God did some awesome things. He, he touched hearts. He changed lives. and he changed, he changed destinies forever. Eternal destinies forever. Those who were once dead and on their way to hell. Let's just get real. On their way to hell are now on their way to heaven. Right? Right? Hey, that's something to clap for. We can clap for that this morning. So I think there was 35 or 36 students that went, and uh, God just totally blessed it. But you know what? God used you to bless it. He really did. A lot of you gave money. A lot of you gave time. A lot of you donated items for us to sell at the garage sale. And I just want to personally say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you did to get students to camp. Because how many of I mean, you know, it's our job to get students to camp. And when they get at camp, then God takes over, right? It's easy. That's why I like camp. I mean, you show up, you throw your blanket and pillow on the bed, and you throw your bag down, and it's like, we're at camp. What's God going to do now? It's true. He just takes over, and I love it. So what I want to do today is I want to invite some uh, students up just to share their experience with camp uh, with you. I want you to know what happened in students' lives uh, over this past two weeks at camp. So, Kyla Ferris, would you come up and, and uh, 
Hope, come on up. <laughs> I always don't. I never want to call him the wrong name. Yeah, give him a welcome. Can I get that for you? Who wants to go first? Who's? Here we go, Kyla. Give it to him. Give it to him straight. I'm just going to share my testimony a little bit. I can't hear myself. Um, about nine months ago, uh, I started struggling really bad with anxiety. And, um, and it got really bad about five months ago. It just kind of peaked, and it was really bad. Um, I think the worst month was May. I, uh, I remember having an anxiety attack. I had lots of them, but I remember having one, um, like, in the middle of my first period class. And I, I tried to take my, my heart rate because uh, I was really worried about it. But my, my hands were shaking so bad that I couldn't even, like, find a pulse. Like, it was, it was really tough. So um, I knew it was getting really bad, and I... I wanted God so de- I wanted so desperately to be healed from it, but I didn't want to do it myself. I felt so selfish. I remember uh, when Pastor Dan was preaching about bold prayers. I uh, I thought, oh, maybe you know, maybe I should start praying for that. But I thought, man, you know, there are so many, you know, tons and tons of people, not only in our church but in our community and in our world, that um, kind of deserve my prayers more than I do, right? So, um, so fast forward to camp, and I get there, and I'm. You know, I was actually kind of reluctant about going, but I did feel like God was calling me to go and um, and help the other students that were going. And the first night, very first night, um, I knew God was telling me that I should ask for prayer for uh, for my anxiety. And so the first night uh, during cabin time with our group of girls, um, I uh, I asked and I was bold and I said, uh, I said, you know, I really need help with this. And, and it was funny because right afterwards, Hope told me that God was telling her that um, I needed to be bold. And it was awesome that I... Uh, I followed that. Um, so we prayed for it, and uh, lo and behold, the very next night, I had a pretty bad anxiety attack. Um, we were getting ready for pre-service prayer, and uh, and I was I couldn't stand. I got pretty dizzy, and I just started crying. It was it was a pretty bad one. And so, of course, like I was like, you know, this is pretty frustrating that God's you know handling this this way. I'm coming like, camp, right? Um, so the next couple of nights, I uh, I just started praying in a. And I knew the spirit of the Lord was there. I knew that um, no matter what, something was going to happen, and that I just had to wait, and I had to, I had to, um, and to just really rely on Him for uh, when it was going to happen. So uh, the next two nights, I just prayed and I prayed and I prayed, and uh, on the fourth night, I just, I felt like God was telling me that the devil was using my anxiety to stop me from some pretty amazing things that were going to happen the next couple of years. That this was kind of a gate he was using me to uh, to keep me from keep on going, even though um, I just had so much more. And uh, and it was the second time I heard God vocally, and it was just peace. And uh, we were in the middle of worship, and I just I felt like I had hit with a truck of like down pillows, like I was completely peaceful. And it was it was amazing to feel that um, that God had given me um, you know the power to overcome what I was going through, and um, it was pretty great. Um, I do feel like I have been healed from my anxiety, or at least um, given the power to really conquer it. Um, and that's just, I mean, I remember just a couple of nights I was like, man, you know, God is healing these people. People are being baptized in the Spirit. Um, you know, when, when am I going to get my healing? And, and when that night came, it was pretty amazing. Um, I am stoked to uh, see what God has for me in the future. And uh and to really uh, roam those things and explore those things without the chains of anxiety. So it's pretty cool. So um, I think it was the deadline for camp. I wasn't able to go. Everyone, Emily was like, you have to go to camp. You have to go to camp. 
and I asked for my boss for the time off, and he said that he couldn't give it to me. And I really wanted to go to camp, and I felt like I should be going to camp, but I couldn't. So I was really, really upset. And the less than 48 hours before camp, I, well, two weeks before camp, actually, I hurt my ankle and strained it, and I got put on work release where I couldn't work, and I got hurt. <laughs> so I was in this big old brace on my foot, and I was like, great, what am I going to do now? Everyone's going to camp. And I was talking to Emily, and I said, Emily, you know, I can't work for another week. I guess I could go to camp. And I don't really remember saying that, but she said, you need to go talk to Adam. So I walked over to Adam and said, Adam, I can go to camp. Can I go? And Adam's like, yeah, we're going to find a way to get you there. So I guess before 48 hours before camp, I got, went home, got all packed up, and decided I was going to camp with this big brace on my ankle. I was, I was really sad. I didn't get to play any of the games the first day. And the second night, I was in a lot of pain, but I... I didn't want to ruin anyone else's fun, so I just hobbled along and followed everyone else and didn't get to play into the games, which was really sad. But um, we were in cabin time, and they put anointing oil on my foot and prayed that it got better. And it was probably the worst it had been since my injury. Like, it was, it was in a lot, I was in a lot of pain. Thursday morning, I woke up, and I could walk on my foot with no pain at all. I was able to roll my ankle around, and it was, it was a miracle. Uh, the biggest thing that I remember doing was after breakfast, I ran over to Adam, and I said, Adam, look, I can jump, and I started jumping. <laughs> and it was just, camp was, a, I mean, the Holy Spirit just filled me, and I was able to talk to people and be bold in things I said to people and share my story with, with other kids who are struggling with finding their way to the Lord. And it was just, camp was an amazing experience for a lot of people. So that is why I love camp. You got two healings right there <laughs> from just our group. Um, but just so you know, we had a, just from our 35, 36 students, I can't remember the exact one, um, 35, 36 students that went, there was a, uh, seven salvations and then over 15 students uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, um, so God, God is moving. Um, you know, so oftentimes we come back off a of camp high, you know, we're jacked, we're juiced, we're ready to go for Jesus and give us about three weeks and we'll be back to our same way. Uh, but our, but our, our, my prayer was, and our prayer at camp was, Lord, we just don't want this to be just some mountaintop experience, even though that's great. Uh, we want it to be a lifestyle. We want to live this out. And uh, that's what we're encouraging. And uh, you have some on-fire young people here in the church. Um, they're going to be really bold. If they come up and ask, ask if they can pray for you, let them go for it. Uh, because they're ready to go. They're ready to go. So today, we are jumping back into the, the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going with uh, Ephesians 3:17 through 32. The title of my message today is, uh, What Are You Wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing? Before we get started, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, uh, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for what you've already done in this place. 
Holy Spirit, I think, that you, I think you that you're moving, that you're touching hearts, Lord Jesus, that you're, that you're filling lives again with hope, with purpose, that you're restoring just weariness, that, you, that, that you're bringing life where weariness once was. So, Father, we just give you this time. We ask that, we ask that you would just speak to us, speak to us, powerfully touch our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so it's like I said, we're going uh, Ephesians three seventeen through 32. Now, this is a lot of scripture we're about to cover, okay? This could, I'm just going to be upfront and honest. This could be a six-week series, really, just, just as 15. But we're going to knock it out in one week, all right? I think God has something for us today out of it. So let's go, 17 through 32. And this is Paul talking to the, the church of Ephesus. So it says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you have learned. Now, here comes Paul now. All right, so Paul's talking about somebody, but now he's, now he's getting to us. He's like, that, however, is not the life you have learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Everybody say created to be like God. One more time. Created to be like God. All right, let's move on. That's good. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been, or who, yeah, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Woo! Man, he gave it to us there, huh? He gave it. That's a lot of scripture. A lot of scripture. So my title this morning is, What Are You Wearing? What are you wearing? You see, Paul talked about taking off the old man and putting on the what? New man. Taking off the old man and putting on the new man. So I pose that question to us. And not physically, what are you wearing? Because I can see what you're wearing. But spiritually, in your lives, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? What are you showing people? What are you showing the people that are around you? What are you showing your kids? What are you showing your parents? What are you showing your coworkers? What are you showing your classmates at school? What are you showing your community? What are you wearing? 
I posed that question today in, in, in all seriousness. Now, now, I, as I was, when I was a little kid, I always, you know, got asked the question, especially from my mom, like, what are you wearing? Anybody, anybody's mom ever asked you, what are you wearing? Your wife. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> No, we all get asked that question. I remember, well, my, I mean, my parents, they had six kids. The Lord bless them. Six of us. And we weren't the nicest, happiest kids, you know? Like, we liked to do bad things, naughty things. And my mom had a heck of a time trying to keep up with us. Uh, I think there was a 15 or, it was 15 years between the oldest and the youngest. So, whoo, that's right. She had a teenager and a newborn. That's a big gap. That's a big gap. And now I look back as I get older, I'm just like, oh, I love you, Mom. I love you. But she always asked the question, especially when we were on our way to church, like on Sunday morning. You know, when I was 11 or 12 years old, she would let me dress myself, right? Let me dress myself because she had a lot of younger kids to take care of. So she let me dress myself. And without fail, pretty much every Sunday morning when I got into our blue minivan to head to church, she would say, what are you wearing? And I would say, well, mom, you know, <laughs> this is the shirt. And, the, you know, I try to explain to her and without, without a doubt, she'd say, go back inside and change. <laughs> what can I say? I'm just not that hip on style, I guess. I don't know. It hasn't got much better in, 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 in the years since. <laughs> Always got something smart. <laughs> but what are you wearing? You know, sometimes I think God looks down at us. And he loves us and he's gracious to us and he wants the best for us. But I think sometimes he looks down on us and he says, what are you wearing? What are you doing? What are you wearing? What are you showing other people? Really? Is that what you're going to wear today? And I know that may seem angry or, or whatever, but I honestly do believe that God looks at us sometimes and goes, what are you, what are you wearing? What are you showing other people? Paul asked the question to the Ephesus, uh, to, to the church at Ephesus in uh, verses 22 through 24. He said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. How many know that before you were saved, spiritually speaking, you were wearing some ugly clothes? Mm-hmm. We all were. We were wearing some ugly clothes. But when we got saved, and when we got filled with the Holy Spirit, the Lord put something new on us. He, put, he gave us a new wardrobe. And I think sometimes we fight with God about what we're going to wear. Because, because if, if you're like me, when I got saved, um, I still wanted to kind of do the same things that I'd been doing. I still kind of wanted to be hanging out with the same friends that I've been hanging out with. I still kind of wanted to, to have the same relationships that I've always had. But God was calling me to something more. God is always moving. He's always calling us to the next thing. He's not a silent, he's not a dead God. He is moving. And it's our job to move with him. And so, and so before we got saved, we were in these ugly rags, worn down, beaten up, full of sin, nasty. Ugh. And after we got saved, he clothed us with a new wardrobe, something beautiful, 
something hipster. No, if he were like, no, I'm not a hipster, bruh. But he closed us with something beautiful. You see, when you got saved, it required a change of wardrobe. You know that clothes speak of your identity in the Bible? In the Bible, clothes speak of your identity. And what is identity? Identity is basically what you think about yourself, who you belong to, who you belong to. And, and, and the clothes, the spiritual clothes that you wear, what, what are they saying about you? What are, they, what, what are they saying to the people that are around you? Are they saying that you're in love, you're a follower of Christ? Are they saying that, hey, I'm just kind of on the fringe and I'm just hanging out? What are your spiritual clothes saying? What are they looking like? What message are they, are they presenting to people? Because the Lord, man, he, he desires you to put on the new man. Take off the old man. That way of thinking. When I was unsaved, I thought a certain way. Now that after I'm saved, I think a whole nother way. Why? Because Christ came into my life and radically changed me. It didn't happen all of a sudden, but over time, Christ came into my life and radically changed me. He changed the way I thought. He changed, he changed the way I act. He changed the way I interact with people. He changed all that. He changed me. And if I asked each and every one of you here today who are saved, you would say, Christ came into my life and he changed me. Even if you're brand new, you're, you can think of some area in your life that the Lord has come in and he's changed you. So Paul is, is encouraging these people. He said, take off the old man. Take it off. Do away with it and put on the new man. Put on the new man. And I want to give us three keys today. Putting on the new man. Putting on a new man. And three keys for 15 verses is not a lot, but we're just going to go with three today, all right? Three keys. Number one is this. Be truthful, not deceitful. When I was younger, I had a problem with lying. I just did. I lied a lot. My parents, my, my parents you know, never knew if the truth was coming out of my mouth or not. Really. Never knew if the truth was coming out of my, lot, my, my mouth or not. But as I got older, I understood, hey, you know, I got spanked a lot for lying. Maybe I shouldn't lie. Makes sense, right? My parents totally believed in spare the rod, spare the child, or, or spoil the child. Absolutely. They were down with that one. <laughs> but I did. But as I grew up, I thought, huh, maybe lying isn't the, isn't the best way to go. Avoid spanking, don't lie. Okay, cool. I got that one. Got that one. But they never could trust anything that I say. You see, lying and deceitful, how many know that's a lot of work to keep up? Because you never know what you've told the person beside you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you never know what you've told Ray. You never know what you've told Adam. You, never, you know what I'm saying? And before long, we get trapped in our lies. And we get all confused and people around us, they can't trust us. And all sorts of things break down because of what? Just being deceitful. Being deceitful. And Paul is urging, urging the people, hey man, tell the truth. Be truthful. What does the Bible say about the truth? What does it say? The truth will what? Set you free. Set you free. Absolutely. The truth will set you free. 
And I, and, and I am just talking about lying right now. Absolutely. Because you know why? I think lying is a big deal in our culture. We want to be accepted. We want to be accepted. So we tell stories that some parts may be true and other parts may not be. But man, you know what's the most attractive thing about people? Is truth. People being real. People being the person that God created them to be. God created you in a special and unique way, and he wants you to live that way. He doesn't want you to try to be like somebody else. He doesn't want you to, you know, try to keep up with the Joneses. He doesn't want you to lie until you've made it. No, he's created you in a special way right now for you to, to, to live a truthful life. Why? Because the truth sets you free. The truth sets you free to live your life. It really does. Truth will set you free. The most attractive people I've ever been around are the people who are just themselves. Who are true to who God has called them to be. Be true to who God has called you to be. Don't try to fit in. Don't try to conform to, what, to, to, to your friends or conform to your co-workers. Man, God has called you to be true to who he is and true to who he's made you to be. So be true. Number two is this. Be kind and compassionate, not angry and bitter. Be kind and compassionate, not angry and bitter. And some of you are thinking, Adam, that, that, sounds, that sounds like a little girly thing. Be kind and compassionate, not angry and bitter. But it's true. Be kind and compassionate, not angry and bitter. I don't know about you, but I love hanging out with people who are kind and care about me. The people who are angry and bitter about something all the time, I try to avoid. I'm serious. I am a professional at getting out of conversations with angry and bitter people. Hold on. No, but it's true. People love kind and compassionate people. Why? Jesus showed it throughout his whole life. He was kind and compassionate. He really was. The woman at the well that we spoke about today. Man, he was so kind and compassionate to her. He cared for her. He told her the truth. Absolutely. But he did it in a kind and compassionate way. That it changed something in her life. That it touched something that all the anger and the bitterness that's been spewed on her before never could. You see, it does sound wimpy and just meek and whatever, kind, kind and compassionate, but it's powerful. It is. You want to win friends and influence people? Be kind and compassionate. Care for one another. Not angry and bitter. You see what bitterness is? I've heard it said like this. Is bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. <laughs> drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. How many of you know that we have things that we, that we, we have a le legal, legitimate right to be angry and bitter about? We really do. We do. We have reasons to be angry and bitter. But that anger and bitterness, it doesn't do anything to the people you're angry and bitter at. It does it to you. It poisons you. And to be truly free, to, to, to truly put on the new man, you have to do away with anger and bitterness. You have to. And you have to put on that kind and compassionate. You have to. 
How many of you know who Nelson Mandela is? Absolutely. He was wrongfully thrown in jail for what, like something like 27 years there in South Africa? And they, they finally let him out, and he later became you know, the president of South Africa. And, and this is what he said about, about bitterness. Um, like I said, he was wrongfully thrown in jail for 27 years. Wow. But this is what he said. He says, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Bitterness and hatred will trap you. They will keep you somewhere that you do not want to be. And every, every one of us in this room, we really do. We have people that we just need to let go. We need to let go of the bitterness that we have towards them. We need to let go of the anger that we have towards them. And we just need to give it to God. Because it's not holding them back. It's holding you back. It's holding me back. So let it go. Be kind and compassionate. Does that mean we always walk around with a big smile on our face and, oh, Jesus loves you? <laughs> no, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean there's a manly way to do it. Jesus loves you. You see? There's a different way to do it. There's a total different way to do it. No, but in all seriousness, it doesn't mean that. Be kind and compassionate to people. Be kind and compassionate to yourself. Be kind and compassionate with the Lord. So good. And I just really feel like today that some of us, man, we're, we're holding on to stuff in our life. We're holding on to anger and bitterness towards somebody that we need to let go of this, this morning. Not this afternoon. Not next, next week at church. But this morning. We need to let go of that bitterness. Let go of that anger. And let God turn it into compassion and kindness. Number three is this. Speak life, not death. This is my favorite right here. This is my favorite. Speak life, not death. How many of you know the power of the tongue? The tongue is powerful. Excuse me. The tongue is powerful. Right? Proverbs eighteen twenty one says the tongue has the power of life and death. Gives you two options. Two options, nothing in between. You're either speaking life or you're speaking death. There's two options. And I want to encourage us and challenge us today to speak life over people. Don't speak death. Now, what do I mean by that? Do I, do I, do I really, I mean, watch what comes out of your mouth. What did Paul say? He said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Do you like talking behind people's backs? Stop. You like saying rude and angry things to people? Stop. Choose. Choose to speak life and not death. Is it hard? Absolutely. Man, there's sometimes I just want to say the meanest things, the nastiest things. And most of the time I catch myself. It's <laughs> about 10% of the time I don't. But most of the time I catch myself. Because how do you know your words? You know God created the world and us and everything in it with his words? With his words. He said, let there be light. Light showed up. You know? And he, he went on and on and on and on. He created it with his words. And if we're created in his image, our words do something. They are powerful. They create our world. They really do. 
So are, 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 we, are, we, are we reading scripture? Are we getting into the word of God? Are, are we, I, was, I was meeting with a young man the other day and, and he, was, he was struggling and, and just going through some things. And, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit told me to tell him to get about three verses. And every morning when he woke up to say those things out loud. In the mirror, looking at himself, pointing at himself, speak it over your life. Speak it over your life. Some of you be like, that's a little hyper-spiritual to me. No, it does something. It does something. Speak life, not death. Watch what you're saying about other people. Watch what you're saying about yourself. And most importantly, watch what you're saying about God. Because eventually how we really feel comes out of our mouth, right? We'll eventually get there with it. But choose to speak life, not death. There's power in your words. Man, pick, pick two or three of your favorite verses. And every morning when you wake up, I am more than a conqueror. Just start reciting them over yourself. See if your day doesn't turn around. It just started. But see if you don't have a good day. Do I think everything's going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But see if you just don't have this joy inside of you that no one can take away. Try it out. Give it a week. Give it a week. Speak life over yourself. Not death. You got plenty of people doing that for you. I want to encourage us today. Hey, look, if you're saving here this morning, man, don't settle for the old man. Don't settle for waking up in the morning and putting on the old man. And put on the new man. Put on the man that Jesus died for you to be. And that the Spirit comes and equips us to live. Put on that man or woman. Put it on.